Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about heck yeah headlines. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm with a shock jock or something. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my cornier little little phrases. Um, but a, a lot of times uh, leading into the show, ideas come from conversations we have with uh, people on our mailing lists or students or clients. And yesterday I had like three three different situations that all circled around the same thing. So we thought, hey, why don't we talk about that? It's a sign. It's a sign, exactly. Synchronicity. And it's a, it's a tactical episode, but we haven't done one of those in a while. And I think if we drill down deep enough, it turns into something a little deeper. <laughs> How's that for a tease? But first, ladies and gentlemen, um, we should mention that we're coming up to episode 150. Mm. And we want you to participate. We want folks to send in uh, questions. If you have a question for us and you'd like to hear it answered on the show, just make a voice memo, voice recording, MP3, and you can send it to either one of us. Uh, our emails will be in the show notes if you don't, know, if you're not already on our mailing lists. Um, but yeah, we can. Uh, uh, we would love to grab those, and you know, if we select your question, if it's a, if we think you know a lot of people would benefit from it, we will play it on the show and answer. Yay. And you'll hear your voice on yeah. the show. Imagine the fame, the fortune, <laughs> the riches. I'm sure you'll be discovered by Hollywood right after. Exactly. And so we have one so far, so we could use more. Uh, and we've got two weeks to go. So we'd love it if you could get those in early and often. If you have more than one question, feel free to send more than one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it should be pretty straightforward. If you've got a smartphone, you can just make a voice memo and email it. Uh, okay, cool. So without further ado, let's talk about Heck Yeah! Headlines. Yeah. So I'll start with a story. Um, this is uh, from one of my TPS students, the Pricing Seminar students. He There's a, 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 a week where we talk about, the week is called Fixing Your Website. And the problem with most people is they, they have a website. Um, they a lot of times fawn over it. They are hyper conscious of every little pixel and they get it just so. And then a year later, they've gotten zero leads. They get no traffic there. Or even if they do get traffic, there's no leads coming from it. They're not getting any opt-ins. It's doing nothing for them. And uh, so it, in my opinion, that is a broken website. It's like it might as well be down. If you're not getting any leads or anything from it, it might as well be down. It's doing nothing for you. So what we do in that module is we one of there's a couple of things we do, but one of the big things is to switch over from blah, soggy, vague headlines like you know smart people solving hard problems and you know like <laughs> you know stuff like that, and get hyper specific with a very particular kind of headline, which I call heck yeah headlines. And the idea is. That within one second, you want someone who lands on your web page. Let's, let's just say your homepage. Let's say you have a one-page site. It's just your, your homepage. And you want them to immediately think, you know, to see a question. And before they can even think about it, you want their brain to almost uh, involuntarily scream, heck yeah. Mm. So mm -hmm. when you get there, if, if I land on somebody's website and it says, smart people solving hard problems, I'm not going to think, heck yeah, I'm in the right place. Please. You know, so, uh, and you know who you are, right? Like, you know when you've created one of these word salad headlines. So 
Uh, instead, I, I would like to see something like you would have heard on the radio in the 80s, on a, you know, like all of the good radio ads, uh, because they have just like 15 seconds, 30 seconds, they need to immediately get your attention, they need to immediately get the attention of the ideal person for their product or service. So they always start with things like, um, don't you hate when you run out of toner, just when you need to print something, like you're just about to print something, and you run out of toner. It's this, it's this question. Obviously, when else are you going to run out of toner but when you're printing something? It's a stupid <laughs> question. But don't you hate when you run out of toner right when you're about to print something? And it's like, yeah, heck yeah, I do. And then the next line is, never worry about running out of toner again. And then you're like, yeah, that would be amazing. And then they say, our, with our subscription toner service, you know, whatever. So, uh, you know, never have to worry about running out of toner again. And it's like, cool, mm-hmm. okay. So what do they do? First, they touch this pain point, this painful memory, this frustrating memory. And then they painted a picture of the frustration of the, 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 what my life would be like without that frustration. And then they got me thinking, but how, printer toner people, how can, <laughs> how can I reach this dream state? Oh, and here's the next step. The next step is, is, you know, they say, you know, with our subscription toner service, you never have to do that again. Uh, whatever text toner to 303030 and find out more so so then they give you something to do like a next action to take to Mm -hmm. achieve the transformation that you're looking for and what's funny about this is that and I think this is true of pretty much all the copywriting that you do what copywriting it's pretty much true of all the writing you do at all it's really hard to write to to an to write anything if you don't know who you're talking to if you don't know who's going to read it, it it's really yeah. hard yeah it's really hard to use specific language uh, you end up using a lot of weasel words you end up using a lot of abstractions um, you know so in a place where if you were like oh i sell to professionals then it's like all right yeah. i mean it's better than small <laughs> business it's better than it's better than uh, businesses it's better than it's better than people it's better than businesses it's better than yeah. small businesses it's professionals but still that's like it's still squishy yeah lawyers doctors financial advisors each one of those people like like a lawyer has a client but a doctor has a patient a coach or let's say a coach might have a practice but a developer has a dev shop so they call their little they call their little business a different thing depending on which industry mm-hmm. they're in Yep. And I was talking to someone recently about the differences between doctors, lawyers, and, and professionals that have licensing bodies that can take away their license versus um, professionals who are like coaches or, or management consultants or uh, software consultants where there's no license, like there's no way to lose your mm-hmm. license. I actually, I wish there was a, a licensing yeah, body. Yeah, we should but, be licensed. Yeah. But anyway, so the, so the the language that you would use for your heck yeah headline would be, you know, for a, a lawyer or a doctor would be something like, um, oh, I don't know, uh, are you sick of agencies that don't understand marketing for doctors? Or are, are you afraid that your agency is going to get, your, get you disbarred? You know, are, are you afraid that your marketing agency is going to get you disbarred? Because there are all these rules of, around what doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. and financial consultants can and can't say in their marketing. Right. And uh, an agency or marketing firm that doesn't understand the nature of those industries could literally get someone's license yanked by saying, "We're, you know, I'm the best lawyer in Rhode Island." It's like, um, no, you're not. You're, you know, whether you are or aren't, you're not allowed to say that. So, you know, you could get yourself in hot water. So, anyway, the the point is, I think um, it, it's super important to within one second for the for the if. 
you're driving, you're trying to get people to your page. They fi you finally get someone to land on your page. You want them to know within a second if they're in the right place and if they're not in the right place, who they know that they should send this to. So let's, but let's just say you actually get your, a really good ideal buyer on the page. You want them to know instantly that they're in the right place. And the, my favorite way of doing that, it's not the only way, but my favorite way is using a heck yeah headline that in their head, they're, they're practically their lizard brain is going to scream, yes. I do have that problem. And what's mm -hmm. going to happen next? They're going to read the page. So they're, yes. they'll probably scan the headlines. They'll probably look for status cues and uh, credibility indicators like the logo wall of your past clients or um, testimonials with smiling faces or, you know, maybe your signature or a picture of you looking happy and smart and, <laughs> and trustworthy. <laughs> and the about section. Everybody loves reading that page. <laughs> yes if if well so but they have to they have to you have to pull them in first they, they have to exactly and just just for you know giggles exactly like you don't want to you don't want to land on a page like oh i'm looking for a landscaper and you land on a page it's like i'm tom and my grandfather started this company in 1972 and we've been mowing lawns since then every day and I'm like okay but do you do you have a solution to my problem do you understand my problem mm -hmm. and if you know, you're, you're really putting a lot of labor on the reader to not immediately let them know that they're in the right place. Because if you can do that immediately, then they're going to they're going to get sucked in a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Well, it's also the core question is who's the website for? Yep. And the website, sure, it's for us, for our business, but it's only because we attract the right people and hook them with our message. So the website's really for them. Yep. Right. And that's that's the challenge is we can't have our websites be all about us. They don't they don't get a chance to see themselves in it. We want the, your client to be the hero ultimately. Mm -hmm. So it's like grabbing them with that right when they hit it with problems that they have. And, you know, and all you need is one big headline with that. And sure, you could have three or four and, you know, make a point. But it's really just even one attention grabbing headline is going to make all the difference. Right. Yeah. And I do, I mean, you can do it either way. It doesn't have to be in, you know, first the pain, then the dream or whatever you could, you could do the, yeah. you could do the, the style, like everybody deserves to, uh, I don't know, feel like their kids are safe at home, but they all face this challenge. And it's the same, it's, it's not a heck yeah headline, but it's the same kind of thing where you're, uh, in this case, it's more of an aspirational kind of headline where you're like, this future should be true for everyone, but there's the enemy that is ca that causes it to be a problem, you know, the challenge or right. the, the obstacle that causes it to be a problem. And so you set up almost this drama in the mind of the reader and of the right reader. But back to your point about who's the website for. So I, I, I feel like I've got a couple of thoughts here. One is that I, I feel like the Simon Sinek start with why thing has, I feel like it's been really taken out of context for a lot of people and they make all of their marketing about their why. Yeah. And I think it's important to know what your why is, but I don't think that should be the be all end all focus of your marketing at right. all. Because it's not about you. It's no. about your ideal client or buyer. Right. And I see a lot of people who who really loved that idea because I get to talk about myself. I know about myself. I know about all my it's a very introspective, self centered, not selfish, but self centered focus that people are like, oh, now I know what to write because I'm just writing my inner thoughts. It's like, this is not your diary. 
you know, it's, it, yes, if you're into Pomeranians and you got your, you know, you used to live in a van uh, and play guitar on the street, that might be interesting at some point. But let's start with helping. I mean, I use the word hook too, but really what you're trying to do is help the reader instantly. You're trying to help them instantly know that they are not going to waste their time on this page because the thing that you said right up front, whether it's aspirational or if it's like a, a hook headline, you know, like a, a, mm-hmm. a heck yeah headline negative question that they're going to say yes to, then it's like you're, it's a service to them because then they're like, oh, sweet, there might be something valuable here for me. Because if you can name, I don't remember who said this, it might have been Jay Abraham. If you can name somebody's problem, if you can articulate it better than they can, they'll automatically assume you have the solution to it. You know, if you can, mm. if you can reach in and label a vague feeling that someone has, and they're like, they're like, what? Like their eyes pop open and their eyebrows go up and they're just like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. That is, that is a good name for that. That is what that should be called. You're, you just, you, yeah. you I, I keep, I want to say you have them hooked or you, but, but really. It's empathy. Well, it's, it's empathy. Exactly. It's like, I hear you. I see you come here, come here. We can bond over this. I mean, exactly. very, very subtle, but that, that's ultimately what, what's happening is you're, you're pulling them in and in an empathic way. Yeah. It's not about your why. It's about their pain or their dream. You or know, their, yeah. Pain or dream. Mm-hmm. So, uh, here's so here's what happens so like you know maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking well duh yeah right that makes sense logically and then you sit down to update your web page and you're like oh but i don't know what to say or it won't work for me or um all the the resistance or who do i focus on that's the big one yeah i just don't want to make it too much smaller because then so and so won't be interested or so and so won't be interested right and they get stuck Right. Like, here's a classic one. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I do this exercise with people all the time on coaching calls. It's it's like the main thing people need help with. Um, and they'll be like, yeah, but who do I focus on? Right. So, so I'll say, well, you know, what are, what are, who's your ideal buyer? I know you've had, you know, you've been in business for 10, 20 years or even five years and you've had, you know, 20, 40, a hundred different kinds of clients, which ones are your favorite? You know, it's like, right. Duh, obvious. Like, who did you like working with? What did you like about it? Was it their industry? Was it the kind of personality they had? Was it that they went, what they went skiing five times a year? Like, what was it? And, you know, find out what that is and then look for uh, some kind of commonality there, whether it's a demographic, a psychographic, a vertical, or whatever. But you focus on that and then it, and, and you can tell, I can tell when I'm doing it with someone immediately when we've gone to the appropriate level of specificity because all of a sudden the words start flowing. Mm, so yeah. if you're if you say, "Oh, um, I'm going to focus on," uh, let's just say, um, uh, I'm, like I'm trying to think of it. I, I have a hard time thinking abstract these days. So like let's because th- I like to focus down. So like uh, I keep coming back to professionals. Like I'm picturing therapists, um, let's say health professionals. We're going to focus on health professionals. It's like, well, what the heck is that? Yeah. Is that a nurse? Is that a chiropractor? Is that a doctor? Do they work at a hospital? Right. Yeah. Like health professional or or like, um, it's just, it's just, so you're like, okay, um, what is a pain that they all share? And you're going to get, I mean, other than like, they want to lose weight and be rich. There's like, <laughs> and look younger and have better sex, a better sex life. Like what's left? Like, that's why that's what you see all over glossy magazines, because there's some base human instinct, you know, base human desires. 
But if you want to get more specific about, you know, you probably don't help with any of those things. If you don't help with any of those things, uh, then you need to get more. It's very helpful and effective for you to get more specific about who you help, because now you can you can empathize with them, like you said, Rochelle, and and actually use language that will click with them so that they can say, heck, yeah, this is what I, I can't believe this exists. It's just for me. Exactly. And what yeah, it, and there's that right level, um, you know, not too general and not so specific that it's not a big enough market for you. Right. And f- I've almost never come across somebody who over niche, like in other <laughs> right. words, picked two. Right. But, but I have, I have recently come across at least one, maybe two. I feel like I've come across two recently, where the industry was heavily regulated and it was super cutthroat, and they were, um, and they all. And none of them were regionally kind of firewalled. So it was like they all do business online. They uh, are heavily regulated and can only say certain things and are super cutthroat and like backstabby types. So very, very competitive in the in the zero sum game, finite games kind of, um, you know, just Mm -hmm. yuck, yuck, just yucky way. And so they big enough. Yeah, there just wasn't so like maybe maybe if any one of those three things wasn't true, then it would have been okay to be that niche down, and it would have been a really cool niche. But he convinced me that that he, you know he had evidence that it was a problem because people were like, well, wait, you're working with my competitors. Why would I trust you? I don't trust them. You know, so it's like, all right, all right, fair enough. But but it was so so hyper focused. Like maybe there are five or. I'm, I'm just guessing, but maybe five or 10,000 of these people worldwide. Like it's a small group. Mm-hmm. And so we just went up one level and all of a sudden he was like, yep, okay, yes. These people were not, would not see each other as competitors, but it was still hyper-focused. And, and it was, and we still could use language from their world, their jargon, their inside baseball language to describe things like uh, uh, customer in their world, customer is not called customer. It's called a very specific thing. And in their world, mm-hmm. their firm is not called a firm. It's called a very specific thing. And without even having to to, to explicitly say who he was um, trying to appeal to or who his ideal buyer was, he could just use language from their space that made it obvious that he was one of them and he yes. understood them because they're, they're not terms that other people wouldn't understand, but they were hyper-specific to that group. And I, I wish I could use the actual example, but if I did, you'd be able to find the person I would be outing them and, <laughs> and giving you a great idea for a marketing campaign. So, But but it's tribal. I mean, I think that's really what you're saying is that mm-hmm. it, it's tribal. Like, you'll never hear me say customer. Right. Never. I mean, it's just client. that, And I'll say clients and buyers because we sell some things that are not... Um, client services, but yep. you never hear me say customer. And in fact, when somebody approaches me and asks me about my customers, I know they don't understand my business right. or my industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the other thing is that a, a couple times I've had people come to me who thought they were too narrowly niched, and it really wasn't about the niche; it was about the message. But they, they it, so sometimes I just want to say that in case somebody feels like, oh, I'm too specialized because I have this language and I'm not attracting anybody. Before you give up on the niche, take a good look at the messages. I mean, try the heck yeah headlines. I mean, do you really have those? Yeah, it's beautiful. I, the, the reason why I love heck yeah headlines for beginning marketers or people who are just trying to get their marketing under control 
is that it it forces you to find a problem that they have, which forces you to be empathetic with them. It means you have to talk to them. <laughs> you have to, or, you know, you could, if they, if they're a lot of, let's say freelance freelancers are freelance designers, like you, it, you could like throw a stone and hit a form online for freelance designers. It's very easy to find freelance designers online. So you can really, mm -hmm. you can really do what Amy Hoy would call a sales safari and, basically read their minds after spending a day going through, um, you know, some form that they all are on, you know, there'd be 50,000 people in freelancers union or however many it is and just go in there and search for um, how do I or um, does anybody know or like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, or, or other emotionally charged language like sucks or I hate or <laughs> love or dream, you know, just like s people ranting and, and make a list of heck yeah headlines you could just sit there and like but normally you don't have the luxury of people sort of spilling their guts online uh your ideal buyers maybe they don't do that maybe they are they might they might not be able to do that i think pretty sure financial advisors are not allowed to do that uh, but whatever the case may be they just don't vent online i'm pretty sure lawyers have reasons why they can't do that too so what do you do you have conversations you have it's like there's no way around it. I mean, you need to you need to hear mm -hmm. words, whether you're finding them online and reading them, or you're talking to them, or uh, interviewing them, or whatever. Uh, maybe listening to podcasts where your ideal buyers have guested, or whatever. You need to listen to their words, find out what what is the thing that if they could wave a magic wand and change, what would that be? What's the big challenge they're facing? What keeps them up nights? Mm -hmm. And if you can find that, you've got your heck yeah headline. Yeah, I mean, what because what you're talking about here is really basic to marketing, but it's also basic to starting your own business if you want it to be successful, yep. which is we always have to be listening to what our specific niche of the audience is telling us. What they're experiencing, whether it's a great thing, it's a big rush of business, or whether it's a terrible thing, you know, a pandemic and a recession, whatever those things are, that's how we're going to grow our businesses is by listening to those people and, and speaking their language. Right. Yep. And so here, here's something I've done if, uh, that, that I know that people have a, um, this fear reaction to, you know, Philip Morgan calls it the positioning fear reflex, where you just have that reaction of like, but I'm barely getting any business now or I'm, I'm just getting by now. If I focus on a smaller group of people, I'll have a proportionately smaller number of leads. And of course, the exact opposite <laughs> is true. But your lizard yeah. brain is like, no, I will, I will, you know, I will go out of business and no one will love me. And all of the, all of the, all of the bad things will happen to me. But so I know it's, it happens. It's true. You feel like you're cutting off opportunity, but really you're not. You're cutting off distractions and creating a strategy to achieve your objective, whatever, you know, your objective, let's just say is a general objective, like, oh, I want to increase my income. Okay, that's an objective. How are you going to do that? By focusing down on a niche market, you know, segmented in one of the ways I said before, it doesn't have to be a vertical. Um, and then that focusing on that allows you to get super specific about your language and the the promise that you can make to them. But, but I know that it scares people to death. So an approach that I've used or an exercise that I'd go through with people is to to kind of like not not put all the it feels like you're putting all your eggs in one basket if you position your entire business around one uh, narrow niche so sometimes what we'll do if I'm getting big pushback from somebody to say okay let's come up with a product or a service and we'll position that 
Yeah, one it, thing. It, one thing. It'll be a brand new thing. You know, like the printer toner uh, subscription service I talked about earlier. I don't know what the, the company, the company might have all kinds of subscription things or it might have all kinds of toner printer supplies. I don't know how they're, I don't even know what company it is. I just know that there's this, um, that there's this product or it's, I guess it's a service technically uh, that I can subscribe to printer toner, printer ink. So you could, you could make up a new, a new product or service, probably a productized service would be the easiest way to do this and position that. And then it won't feel threatening because the thing's new anyway. You're not, Mm -hmm. you're not going to like alienate your existing you know, your existing, like maybe your existing clients are all over them. You know, it's like a plastics manufacturer and a, a pet supply store and you know, a financial advisor. And you're like, well, I can't focus down my home, my homepage. I can't say I only serve massage therapists because then my existing clients will feel like I'm abandoning them. And it's like, first of all, they're not <laughs> going never on your, look at your website. <laughs> yeah, why would they go yeah. on your website? First of all. And second of all, what you're paralyzed permanently by like, at what point do you like, the clients that you have now are there for it just doesn't it's irrational so um, so if you sort of take it off the home page and you come up with a, a particular service that's you know maybe you're a designer and you want to just teach develop software developers how to do enough design that their their you know side hustle SaaS doesn't look like garbage uh, it's not going to win an award but at least it'll be pretty good and that you're going to focus one product or maybe it's a maybe it's a i don't know uh a course or some kind of coaching or maybe it's a membership community um i suppose this, i was just talking to laura elizabeth who who does this so it's on my mind and it's like she didn't she didn't um change her whole business she kept doing client work and doing sort of generalist design stuff while she created um products and services that were very very tightly focused on a, a niche market and built up an audience around that and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, so. No, but that's, I just want to sidebar. That is a classic way where you've been doing hands-on kind of work to start to grow an audience on the side, especially if your goal is to not do so much of the hands-on work. It's like, it's like a side hustle that isn't because it's integrated into your Mm -hmm. core business. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that is a, that's a great way to kind of combat the resistance or the fear reaction of, of creating a heck yeah headline and doing everything you need to to create that headline it's like um picking picking who it's for and then so what's cool about that is uh and this happened to her i just interviewed her i'm I'm working on a new book ladies and gentlemen and uh, i'm interviewing people who have made the transition from you know renting them their hands out by the hour over to a variety of different leveraged offerings that still build on their expertise it just package their expertise in a way that separates their time from their money Mm -hmm. And uh, this, this is a perfect example because she's doing, she's, it's design, but, uh, she, and she built up an audience of people to, she just, rec- she was empathetic. I mean, it's like, that's what it comes down to. She was, she was um, talking to a lot of developers and she noticed that they, in general, are really making really ugly stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and. And we're like blown away by basic stuff that she would say, you know, she'd be like, oh, we'll just do this and do that and the other. And she's, she, uh, the, the, the trick, I guess, I don't want to use the word trick, but the, the, I guess, yeah, it's the trick of it is that she was paying it. She was like open to it. Like she was receptive to this trend or this pattern that she saw with this particular group of people. And then without, you know, she didn't go cold turkey and close down her, her design business. She just did this on the side and, and 
targeted it at this very specific audience and it's like a, a big hit for her, a big hit, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, and, and plus the other moral of that is that she didn't have to make it for other designers. She made it for people who work with design but are not designers. Yeah, I mean, she, it's you, a very specific audience. I, yes, I love that you brought that up because that that's a specific point that she made, which is that she's like, I'm an okay designer, but I couldn't make a course for other designers. Like whether whether she is capable of it or not, she didn't have the confidence to do it. She's like, no way would I do that. But developers, compared to them, I know what I'm doing. Like totally know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I talk about this a lot. I've kind of got, this is one of the, one thing that sometimes makes people think I'm a scammer is I'll say expertise is relative and I understand why people think I'm a scammer when I say like that sounds scammy because it sounds like fake it till you make it but it's really not not the way not the way I mean it you have to know more than the people you're serving correct you just have to right and if you're going to sell to people who do what you do it's really hard to know more than they do so why set yourself up for that? Unless you want, I mean, if you want to be like the the world's greatest industrial designer, or architect or whatever, that's great. That's a long road and it's it's going to have pitfalls. It's going to take a long time and you better not shift your focus or you're going to throw, you're going to have a lot of sunk cost that you'll have to throw away if you want to pivot. So, but fine, if you want to do that, then I, I totally get that. It's almost like taking the artist path. So if you want to do that, great. But if you, um, if you don't, you can help noobs like what for whatever reason that they're noobs they either they just got out of college and they're maybe on your career path or there's someone who doesn't do what you do but does value it and mm-hmm. but here's this was the thing with Laura they couldn't afford to hire her directly there just wasn't enough value in it for developers doing a side hustle to afford her rates so she was like well how could I help them well I could put together a course and then I could price that uh relatively low low lowly i could price that low and still make a profit off it'd be worth the investment that it would take to build it in the first place because so many people could buy it so that creating leverage in the business notice her niche is still a big audience yeah millions right yeah even if you know and she might narrow that i I don't i'm not familiar with her work but she might narrow that down by how she talks to them like maybe there's a a subset of people that are that are developers and are specifically interested in design you mm-hmm. know so so you can pull that out in language and work that over time but i like her niche right yeah i think it's called design academy if people want to check it out not not trying to advertise just like it's on my <laughs> mind we talked right before that we recorded the episode so it's just a it's i think a great example of someone who uh, i mean i talk to a lot of designers and they feel like they're no, I can't place a value in what I do. It's too squishy. It's like, you know it when you see it or clients can't explain what they want. And, you know, there's there's this kind of, and everybody's got an opinion. And, um, you know, I wish I was a developer because people don't review your code. People don't have an opinion about how you code it, but everybody has an opinion about what the website looks like or whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, that is kind of true now that I think about it. See, I don't, yeah, I reject that though. I, <laughs> I reject No, that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, as you know, I'm knee deep in a website redesign yeah, yeah, at the yeah. moment. And it's that's exactly everybody comments on physically what it looks like, but nobody comments on the coding. Oh, nobody yeah, does. yeah. Yeah, no one yeah. cares. Right. Yeah. As long as it, it works. If it doesn't work, then we comment. Exactly. And so, see, I would, I mean, not to go too far into the weeds, but I would say this design is the exact same way. If, if it works, it looks good. You know, it's like Eddie Van Halen said about music. If it sounds good, it is good. If the website works, the design is good. The question is, 
how do we define works? Who are we trying to please here? Do we want it to be pretty and we're trying to please the board of directors and we want them to all say it's pretty? All right, that's a goal that I can achieve, but I don't think that's anybody's goal. So don't let the project devolve into a beauty contest when that is only, that's only going to make things worse. It's going to make the website work worse if you let them do that. Anyway, right. okay, soapbox done. Well, the, let's just comment the great design. It looks great for its purpose and it works, right? Yes. We're, it's not about pretty pictures. It's about design that works. Yeah. I mean, my wife used to be in, a, I've told this story before, but my wife used to run the circular for a Fortune 50 company. You know what a circular is, right? The Sunday insert. Mm-hmm. And they wanted it to look cheap. So <laughs> she, so she, they would make design decisions to make it look cheap. Oh my, I can just feel the designers in the audience cringe right now. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that was an eye opener for me when I was like, oh, right. It's not about pretty pictures at all. It's it's about whether or not it works. Yeah. So anyway, so. And it's about positioning. I assume that that company was positioning their products to be cheap. They didn't want it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. right. So like the designers all wanted to make it look like, you know, like Nordstrom or, or you know, maybe even Target, which is like a little bit higher end department store. And, you know, it's like that that's what they want, you know, like luxury and gorgeous. And, and the product people at, at where she worked were like, no, that's just going to make it look expensive. So it's <laughs> know, just like. Know your positioning, know your audience. Right. You got it. Yep. It's all, it, does, it circles back to that. It could, I could even tie this into pricing at this point, but I've already had two, two major tangents. So <laughs> <laughs> warning, warning. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll reel myself in here. So if, if you come back, the beauty, I think for folks who are, who know that they are not great at their marketing, they, they know that they've got a, a big opportunity for improvement in their marketing. A great starting point is to try to put heck yeah headlines either on your homepage or on a product page or a service page so that. Uh, it's, it's like a test because you have to do all of these things behind this. It seems easy. Like, I'll just like ask this question that, that my ideal buyers are going to say yes to. But to pick the right question, you have no choice but to have empathy with your buyers, which means you have no choice but to pick who your ideal buyers are. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of like the, the dominoes kind of continue to fall as you just try and do what seems like a really simple thing. Well, and then the other piece of this when you're trying to find those headlines is to literally go back to those clients that when they first met you, what did they tell you? Yeah. You know, and if you take notes from those meetings, go back through your notes. What did they say? What was their what was the burning problem? And sometimes what they said wasn't necessarily really the problem. It was a symptom, but those symptoms are what people pay attention to. Yes, that's the difference between giving someone what they want and what they need. You might know what they need, but if they don't want it, they're not going to pay for it. They, you know, they don't want to quit smoking. They just want to get rid of this cough. So the doctor knows they need to quit smoking. They need to, but the client doesn't want that. The patient doesn't want that. The patient just wants the cough to go away. So can't you just give me something, doc? And they're, and they're not going to pay for, you know, something that the doctor knows they need. It's just not going to happen. They're not ready. Mm-hmm. So. Sad. Well, <laughs> yeah, I just have to make that point. That just sounds so sad. Let's hope we can create a different scenario for, for the audience and their clients. Yes, I'll try and come up with a better yeah. example for that one in the future. <laughs> but it's but that's the thing. It's the difference between the disease and the symptoms. You don't know you have the disease. You just know you have the symptoms. So, you know, again, it's probably a terrible metaphor. But the the point stands is that if you can, if you can come up with uh, really good 
heck yeah headlines, <laughs> your time on page is going to go from eight seconds to a minute or more or, you know, five minutes. And people are going to actually read your stuff, engage with your stuff. They're going to sign up for your mailing list. They're going to listen to your podcast. They are going to ask you about buying products and services. They're going to, your website is going to start working. And, you know, I, I just love how this one, just trying to come up with one good headline has all of this foundational work behind it. I feel mm -hmm. like, I don't know, hopefully it helps people get their heads around the concept a little bit. Well, I think you can also experiment with it. I mean, you could create a landing page and if you've got, you know, even a small social media following LinkedIn, Twitter, maybe Facebook, depending, maybe Instagram, you could, you know, have this engaging kind of headline sort of query in your social media feed and you, you know, give them a link back to that particular page on your site. So you can start, you know, you can do this very tac tactically and mm -hmm. just try it, try and experiment. If it doesn't work, you haven't updated your whole site. You haven't changed over all of your marketing. You're just trying to test yep. and see what happens and pull people into your orbit. Right. Yeah. I mean, like years ago in four hour work week, uh, what's his name? Tim Ferriss. Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. He popularized the, the idea of AB testing with pay-per-click ads. And you mm -hmm. know, that's how he picked the name of that book was that was the one everybody clicked on. It was like the clear winner. Um, so you get, and I'm, I'm not advocating that, but it's the same idea. I think, I think that's kind of like, that's kind well, of like. So, you're socializing. That's what it is really is, is you, you see if there is an interest in it and if there isn't, you drop it. Right. Yeah. You're not Like, why would you be married to a headline? Like, you know, like, cause maybe because like the entire board of directors like invested a, uh, two weeks at a getaway where they kind of came up with this like horrible, meaningless oh, drivel. <laughs> yeah. So now they're, they're heavily invested in this drivel, this like page long mission statement that is unreadable. Um, but yeah, so I, I get it. Um, but I think, I, yeah, it really boils down to like pick someone, talk to them and be, you know, and, and get there and, you know, like listen and capture what you're hearing. And pick the people that, that you resonate with. And, you know, and, and you can go back through some old projects and go, oh, I like, I like this particular kind of work or I like this particular kind of client and here's why. I liked working in this way on a project. That would be like maybe execution versus strategy. Mm -hmm. um, I like to work with this level in an organization. I like to work with this function. Or, you know, when you, when you start to pull all those pieces together, it really isn't that hard to get a picture of your ideal client. Yep. And sometimes yeah. that's the place to start is just who do I want to serve? Like, who can I get excited about applying my expertise to help them transform, to help them move into whatever it is that they, they want to be better? How it's that, it's that attachment to your client's goal. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when, you know, oh, I'm veering into poster territory again. Um, <laughs> when, when we love our clients, you know, our work is fun. Yeah. You know, it's we we attach ourselves to their mission and their vision and, and we want to help them make it reality. Yeah. Help people you like get what they want. Exactly. That, that is it. <laughs> That's our, kind of our job description, really. That's how yeah. I think about it. Yeah, totally. Cool. All right. So I've been blabbering like crazy. Um, did we did we leave any stones unturned? Um, no, no. I mean, unless you I guess you, you alluded to it that client that you worked with who had such a change in before the headline and after in their Google Analytics. Mm. Yeah. Did I not talk? I, we talked about well, that Well, you mentioned the show. it, but you didn't say how it came about. So I just, I thought that was a really good example. Oh, okay. 
um, yeah, so the so I didn't say this on the show. We talked about well, it before you, the you show. You just alluded, yeah. We talked about it before the show. Oh, okay. Well, the the story is that um, in the fix your website section of TPS, he made the changes that you know we worked on, and the month before he in his Google Analytics, the month before he made the change, his traffic, you know, X, it was like you know, whatever it was. And uh, the time on page, which is how long each person spent on a page on the site on average was eight seconds. <laughs> and then after he made the change, the month after, basically immediately, more or less, he had a little bit more traffic, but the time spent on page was over a minute, just yeah. from just from switching to heck yeah headlines. Yep. Yeah, because that's what we want to do. Most of us were, were about expertise and building authority and you want people to stay on the site to read or to watch or to listen depending on your platform you you want them to hear your advice you want them to kind of get lost on the site getting information that's valuable to them yeah people are buried i mean there's like all kinds of studies about how much you know it's like the average human is bombarded with something like like three thousand marketing impressions or logos per day or something crazy like that so you need to help it's a service to them to be hyper specific about how you can help. And if they don't need you, people who don't need you, they're just going to bounce off of it like they bounce off of everything else. But the people who do need you are going to like glom on and be like, tell me everything. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's the equivalent of binging in Netflix. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure you told that story so they said like the before and after. I mean, it can be that dramatic when you've got something that's really squishy and then mm -hmm. you make it, you know, very firm. Mm-hmm. Just cool. takes decision. Yeah, yeah. You have to act. Cool. All right, folks. I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for The Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.